0: This is the Vent Time with Connie podcast, where we discuss topics that can be controversial or uncontroversial. Topics range from family, faith, lifestyle, you name it. No topic is off limits. All right, sit back and relax. Here is your host of the show, Connie.
1: Hello, everyone. Happy New Year how are you guys doing well i hope your year so far is full of joy i know life is hard and entering another year does not automatically eradicate all life troubles however the joy i'm talking about is not like the one the word gives which is like absence of troubles or suffering or any of that such but um the joy and love that i'm that i'm talking about is the one that comes from above the one only Christ can produce in the life of his followers. This is a joy and love you have and experience in the midst of troubles. I pray you listeners that you know that joy and love in the Lord this year. I really hope you, you know that joy and love. Well, talking about joy and love, today's episode will be discussing the amazing grace of God by reviewing a book called Amazingly Misunderstood Greats. With the subtitles, Should I Be Worried? This book was written by Mark Notcourt. I believe this is a great way to start up the new year by dwelling on the amazing grace of God that has been misunderstood by most people in our world today. What do I mean by misunderstood by most people? Well, most of you listening to me probably know about this hymn called amazing grace you probably heard heard of it in let's say in church in funerary services and so forth so you probably have heard about this song this hymn and also might already know how to sing it you know you know so sadly most people including some that you know sing this song proudly with awesome voice or even song that some that knows the song do not know God's amazing grace in a servific way, in a saving way. So the hymn was written by John Newton, and the first answer of the hymn goes like this. I will try and read the first answer of the hymn. It goes like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Do you know this amazing grace God has shown through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, in a saving way? Have you experienced this amazing grace? You might know the song, but have you really experienced this amazing grace that transformed you inside and out in such a way that your desire to please God grows more and more each day. Not only on special occasion like, you know, you know, the Lord's Day, like going on Sundays, Easter, Christmas, but I'm talking about on daily basis, especially, especially when no one is watching. Is your desire to please God growing? Do you even have the desire to please God, to do God's will, or you just have desire to do your own will? You know me I'm, me myself and I. You know that mentality. Well, I pray you know and experience God's amazing grace, which can only be found in knowing Jesus, the only begotten Son of the living God. When my guest today wrote a book called Amazingly Misunderstood Grace, subtitle, Should I Be Worried? Before I introduce our guest, I want to talk about the book a little bit. So I, I have read this book and actually read it within a week and few days. I believe, you know, I'm not a big reader, like reading is definitely not my hobby, but I'm learning it is good for me to read. So that's why I'm kind of um, pushing myself to read more often. However, I did not have to push myself that hard to read this book because once I started reading it, I couldn't put it down. It is an easy read, and I love the way the author pin his thoughts down and explain the details of the gospel in such a way a new believer or even unbeliever can understand. So needless to say, anyone can understand it. Um, you can actually see, you can see, I believe you can see the author's heart towards his readers, especially those who are self-deceived, poorly thought of the gospel, Maybe because of their churches not sound biblically or because they neglect the 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 discipline of studying the word of God for themselves. Either way, the author cares for his readers and hopefully you can you can see that in you know or you can identify that while you listen to the interview that I had with him, which is coming up next. So I highly, highly recommend you get a, a hold of this book. The link to purchase the, the book will be at the episode description, so um, if you want to find out where you can buy the book, just keep on listening to this episode, we'll mention it at the end. Well, enough of this intro, let's move on to the interview that I had with the author, and uh, with the author, Amazingly Misunderstood Grace, so he is retired business executive and a long-standing Bible teacher, having served as an elder in three different churches in Texas, Virginia. And in Thailand, he currently participates in teaching ministry of Founders Baptist Church in Spring, Texas. He has been happily married to his high school sque- sweet can you speak, Connie? <laughs> he, he has been happily married to his high school sweetheart, Gerander, for over 40 years. Together they live in the woodlands, Texas and have four children, their daughter, Abby, who is with the Lord and their three sons, Dustin, Nathan, and Ethan. With no further ado, here's my guest, Mark Northcourt, the author of Amazingly Misunderstood Grace. Okay. Hello, Mr. Mark. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great, Connie. Good to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me a little bit about this amazing book you wrote. And um, I just, um, before we begin, I love hearing people's um, testimony, how God saved them from darkness and brought them to his marvelous light. Please, if you don't mind um, sharing with me and my listeners your testimony, how did you come to faith in Jesus?
0: Yeah, of course. Um, Well, look, I I had the great privilege of growing up in a Christian home. Um, And so, uh, you know, from an early age, I I began to feel the weight of sin. And, you know, I walked an aisle, so to speak, uh, when I was probably just, you know, seven or eight years old uh but years later um, you know really in my teenage years I, I i really i began to understand that that uh i i really only understood god's judgment uh upon my sin mm-hmm.
2: uh
0: and so you know when i was you know at that early age i wanted a savior but i didn't really understood understand at that time what it meant to to accept christ as lord
2: mm-hmm. so
0: it was at that point uh as i was a teenager that i i really you know repented and uh, you know, turned away from my self-will and submitted to my life to Christ
2: mm. And
0: so as I as I wrote in the book uh, that was really when I stopped trying to appease God and mm. began trying to please God and so that's that, that's a huge difference as I'm sure we'll talk about as we go forward here.
1: Yes that's awesome Wow it's always a blessing to be brought up in a, um, a Christian home like not the nominal Christian but a Christian home. So, yeah, um, absolutely. yeah, so you wrote a book. So how does it feel getting that first print of your book? Did you say to yourself, <laughs> wow, I can't believe God allowed me to write this book. Like how, how was, how did you feel at that moment?
0: You know, and, and a bit of a sense of relief. <laughs> wow. I mean, partly because I, I did feel like God wanted me to write the, write this book. Uh, but it's also a lot of work. <laughs> it
1: is, I'm sure.
0: So it was a, a bit of a relief to say, you know, finally get it all together and ready to uh, actually go to print, so to speak. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I just, you know, I, I just leave it in God's hands uh, for God to do what, what he wants to do with the book. So.
1: That's good. That's good. So where did you get the, where did the inspiration come from? What motivated you to decide to write this book and why the title Amazingly Misunderstood Grace?
0: Yeah um you know I was I was sitting in church um one uh, one Sunday morning um and you know as 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 we're blessed to have in our church you know listening to a great sermon where the gospel was being preached mm-hmm. and I just I began to wonder uh, just how many people were sitting in their pews with the truth of the gospel going in one ear and right out the other
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and sadly I think that's you know you know much more true across our country as a whole just recognizing that in a lot of churches um, it's false gospels that are being preached every Sunday yeah um, you know I think most of us are familiar with you know the you know the the lies of the of the prosperity gospel uh, mm-hmm. where preachers uh, you know preach selfish interests about how God will bless you and and all of that Um uh, you're really, you know, really preaching nothing, nothing more than just, you know, encouraging people to make an investment that God will reward you financially in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, but what I what I think is even more insidious is the false gospel that I call the easy gospel. And hmm. that's the uh, the sales pitch that salvation can be obtained without repentance.
2: Hmm. Uh,
0: basically, that is nothing short of the old works oriented heresies that you know, we even see in the New Testament. Uh, that you know that God is obligated to forgive us if we simply follow certain rules. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in the you know the old times, that was in you know self righteous attempts to obey God's law, and clearly we saw that in the in the uh, Jewish leaders uh, at the time of Jesus.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then you know more recently, we'll you, you'll see it in terms of um, you know people trying to live a good life or be a decent person as if we can earn God's favor. Yeah, Um, and then today it's even so bad that it's you know you know I I think there's people sitting in church pews that are you know trusting in nothing more than kind of like when I was just a young child they walked an aisle Mm -hmm. uh, they got baptized or they joined the church uh, and that's all there is to it and it's just you know pat themselves on the back that they got their ticket punched for heaven
2: Mm -hmm.
0: so it was it was in that backdrop of just thinking about how many people are sitting comfortably in their pew, thinking that they're a Christian based on, on something they've done, rather than trusting in the works that Christ himself has done for us.
1: Wow, That's good, that's good. I think when you were talking about the easy gospel thing, it reminds me where you quoted in your book. Um, and I quote, say, consider this patient quote from William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army in 1865, in response to a question about spiritual dangers facing the church in the 20th century, then the quote is this, the chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, heaven without hell, close quote. So when I read that, I thought that was a good way to introduce the scope of the book. Well. And we will definitely flesh that out, you know, throughout this conversation, hopefully. But first, let's start with God. You know, um, Genesis 1 starts with, in the beginning, God. You know, nothing came to be without God. We know that. And if we do not start with with God, none of what we will say will actually make sense. So um, if you don't mind telling us who is God, um, talk about God's goodness, greatness, and holiness. Just the character of God.
0: Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, as you said, I mean, the question "Who is God?" is you know we could spend uh, days, weeks, and months on, on that question alone. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you just you know look in the Bible, and uh, even beyond creation itself, uh, you can see when Moses asked God just just for what God called Himself, you know, for the for the name of God,
2: mm-hmm. you know, His
0: reply is "I am that I am." Mm-hmm. Uh, highlighting that, you know, God is the only self-existent being.
2: Yes. So, in,
0: so in practical terms, um, you know, as you've already indicated, God is the creator, you know, the creator of all things, including each, each one of us. But much more than that, and I think this is the really amazing part, is that this same almighty God wants to know us in a personal way.
2: Hmm. You
0: know, the, the, the bottom line is, he not only wants to be our God, he wants to be our father
2: wow. and,
0: and to me, that is the amazing message of of the gospel uh, the amazing message of uh of of a God who loves us and wants to know us
1: yep that's beautiful, that's beautiful so you you indicated that God does wants to want to be more than a creator to us, He wants to be a father so um so now um in your in your book also you quote this which i think kind of um explain a lot you know who we are as human the quote begins like this doing good and being good are two very different things we may occasionally do good but we are not capable of being good close quote so can you flesh out that statement a little bit in relation to who man or woman is at their core yeah
0: absolutely um you know, again, this goes back to what we talked about. Uh, I think the biggest heresy in our in, in the Christian world today is this idea that that we're basically good,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and that God weighs us in the balance. As long as our goodness uh, is greater than uh, than the sin within within our lives, then then you know we we get a check mark, right?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, But, but the reality is if we really look to uh, look to God's word uh, and even we look within our own hearts, we realize that only God is good. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, And that there, there really is no goodness within us, uh, that we are selfish. We're prideful. um, And even, you know, what we think of as goodness is really just um, controlled badness. (laughs) (laughs) And so, we really have to look to God alone as, uh, as being good. And when we look at the goodness of God, we see not only that God loves us, but we also see a holy God. Yeah. And you know, we're, we are so quick to grab a hold of the idea that God loves us. Uh, but we shy away from really trying to understand that God is also holy. And, yeah. and that's what really brings us to the truth of the gospel is that mm-hmm. God is holy, and because he's holy, he will judge sin.
2: Hmm.
0: He's not going going to just ignore our sin. He's going to judge it because he is is perfectly righteous and perfectly just. Hmm. But thankfully, he does, in fact, love us. And so this is is the, the reason for the gospel. Because God loved us, he provided the way for our sins to be forgiven. He did that by Jesus, the son of God, going to the cross and dying in our place. Mm-hmm. So within that picture of the cross, we not only see God's love for us, but we also see the perfect picture of his holiness in that he paid the price. Mm-hmm. Okay, And so, you know, as Christians, we're, we're quick to see the gospel as a message of love, but yeah. we also need to remember that it's a message of holiness as well. Yes. And, and, we, and we see that God's love and God's holiness are on full display with neither being compromised for the sake of the other. Hmm.
1: That's good. That's good. So, yeah, um, many things um, sh- struck me while reading your book. But the first one that was like an eye opening for me while reading your book was when you stated this. And I quote, the point here is that followers of Christ are literally saved from God, by God and for God close quote. And um, when I read that, I say to myself, that is so true. You know, I have not actually taken the time to meditate on that until your book pushes me to think about that truth of God, you know? So what do you mean by that? Can you elaborate more what we are saved from?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're so quick to, th- you know, we, even when we feel the guilt of sin in our lives, we're, we're so quick to think that we need to be saved from our sin We may even think that we need to be saved from ourselves. And and certainly those are true. Mm -hmm. But the fundamental truth is that we need to be saved from God's wrath because of the sin in our lives. And so it is literally when we're talking about salvation, we're not being saved from sin. We're not being saved from ourselves. We're being saved from the penalty of that sin. And that penalty is the wrath of God. So we're saved from God, but only by God, because we can't save ourselves. Yes. With the ultimate purpose being the glory of God. Mm
1: -hmm. It's not about
0: us. It's about him. So we're saved from God, by God, and for God.
1: That's beautiful. That's really awesome. That's really awesome. So, yeah, I love how you explained that. Um, Also, I love the question you raised in part one of chapter two. I think you you put it this way, and I quote, if you're a professing Christian, do you frequently consider and meditate upon the awful price that was paid to purchase your forgiveness? Does it motivate and empower you to forsake all else and follow Christ? Close quote. I believe those questions are worth pondering on, you know, my listeners. You can think about this question earnestly, seeking to answer answer it, you know, through prayer and reading the word of God, because, you know, just hearing Mr. Mark describe how, God what God saved us from, how, how is, he's, he's such a loving father. He wants to have that intimate relationship with us. We want to take time and ponder on this, you know, meditate on this. And not, don't just look over it and keep moving. Okay, so one of the first statements our Lord Jesus made when he began his ministry was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, that can be found in Matthew four seventeen. Even at the end of Peter's first sermon at Pentecost in Acts 2, 37 to 38, the word of God says, now when they heard this, they were called to the heart and say to, the, uh, say to Peter and the, and the rest of the brothers, and the, and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, close quote, quote. So you can find that in Acts 2, 37 to, 30, 37 to 38. Right. So um, we know we are commanded in the scriptures to repent. So I believe it is imperative we understand what repentance is or looks like. So we will know what to do. So can you take the time to describe what repentance is not and what true biblical repentance is or looks like?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think this is uh, critically important because, you know, even that quote from William Booth uh, that you referred to earlier highlights uh, this uh, this danger of people seeking forgiveness but without repentance.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: and I think that's all around us today. Um, you know, people recognizing the need for a savior uh, but having no heart for repentance.
2: Mm.
0: Um, so this, this is a this is a really important question. And I think that to understand repentance, we first have to understand sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, you, know, you you look at the book, I, I start off with, you know, who is God and what is the character of God? And then I immediately go into the, to, to this idea of what, what is sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the reality is we have to understand that sin is not what we do. It's mm-hmm. not the acts that we commit but it's the heart of rebellion that is within us. Hmm. Um, you know, we're not sinners because we sin, but rather we sin because we're sinners. Hmm. Uh, and that, that needs to be understood. And it's that, that understanding of sin and that alone that, will, it, that is what drives us to repentance. Hmm. You know, n- not driving us to hope that our good outweighs our bad, but drives us to, the point, to that point of desperation,
2: mm. crying
0: out to God that I have no hope
2: mm.
0: apart from God's mercy. Mm. And so repentance begins with this understanding of sin. You know, sin is not making a mistake. Um, sin is rebellion against God. Mm. Uh, and so therefore, repentance is the act of submitting to God's authority and seeking not only a Savior, but seeking a Lord. Hmm. Now, some equate repentance to sorrow, you know, being sorry for, you know, for one sin. And that that is partially true. But it's so it's so much more than that. Now, when when you look within the Bible and you look in the Old Testament or you look in the New Testament, the word for repentance, uh, whether we're talking about Hebrew or Greek, uh, is uh, is a word that that carries this meaning of turning around, you know, turning away from, uh, you know, something. So it's good to understand repentance as turning away from sin, turning away from our rebellion against God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: However, we have to be careful with that because when we think of turning away, we, we, we begin to think of it as if, if it's something we do on our own power by mm-hmm. our own ability and by our own commitment. Uh, and that's where we have to understand that that is not the case, but rather it, it, Repentance itself is a gift from God mm-hmm. because it is only when we turn to God that we then are able to turn away from the sin that is within our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so sin is more, I mean, repentance is more than turning away. It's also turning toward God in obedience. Mm-hmm. And here's the key point in turn, in, in, uh, to understand it. Turning away from sin and turning toward God are not what we do to to repent but rather these are the actions that occur when you repent hmm. the point there being that true repentance begins in the heart
2: hmm.
0: and then it shows itself in action and only God can change our hearts
2: hmm.
0: so it's, it's when we come to that point of genuine of understanding our sin, of having sorrow for our sin, that we turn to God in repentance, asking Him to make us new, to give us a heart uh, that is free of sin and desires to please
1: Him. Wow, that's good. I'm glad you explained it that way because I always, you know, you know the gospel, when you preach the gospel, you know, one of the cause. We are commended to call to people that we preach the gospel is to repent and believe. And sometimes I find myself explaining it as is it, a work-based. You get what I mean? Because we are saved by grace. Right. You know, so when you explain repentance that way, it's not really work. You know, it's not something we do on our own. It's obviously we turn to God and He then grants us repentance that leads to life. And we can that's He's the one that will turn us away from the sin that we are in. So Yeah, that clarifies a little bit for me. But yeah, um, there's something also that you said in your book on page 47 that got me thinking. You said, and I quote, Jesus does indeed offer salvation to all, but you must accept him as Lord before he will become savior. Seek him as Lord and salvation is shown in, close quote. Can you explain more what you mean when you say seeking Jesus as Lord first, then he will become a savior?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's what we've been talking about here. Um, this idea of seeking salvation, but without repentance, mm. you know, if, you know, if all you want is to get your ticket punch for heaven, or, you know, as I also referred to it in the book as uh, you just want a, a fire insurance policy against hell, Yeah. <laughs> uh, then um, that's not what, what Jesus is offering.
2: Mm.
0: You know what Jesus is offering is that we give up trying to lead our own way, and instead we follow Him.
2: Mm.
0: And that's why I, I I like to talk about Christians. I don't rather than just using the term Christian, which has mm. so many different you know you know connotations in our society today. I like the term, and I use it throughout the book as a follower of Christ. Mm. Yeah, because a a genuine Christian will be seeking. To live out Christ within their lives. Right. And so this, the, the idea here is if, if you haven't yet come to the point of repentance, but you recognize sin and, and and all you want is a savior, that's that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about following Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, turning away from trying to lead our own way so that we are then able to follow Christ instead.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Okay. So um, as a born again believer, we ought to want to delight in the one who redeems us. That would be, I guess, a reasonable thing to do. So how do we make it our life ambition to delight in God? Okay. Um,
0: You know, that's another uh, open-ended question that we could spend a whole lot of time on. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, for the sake of uh, of the podcast here, I'm going I'll make two key points. Okay. Uh, first of all, you know we need to as 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 true followers of Christ, we we need to recognize that the point in time that we accept Christ and we become His follower that that is not the pinnacle of our spiritual journey, hmm. but rather that's simply the beginning. Wow. You know, far too many people think of salvation, uh, again, it's just, okay, now I got my, my ticket punched, or I've got this fire insurance policy, okay, I've, I've, I've got it done enough, right? You know, I'll, but the, the truth is, uh, you know, becoming a Christian is and being a Christian is so much more than that, mm-hmm. okay? So that, so that leads us to the second part. You know, the, the, the second point I'll make here uh, is that even as followers of Christ— uh, within this materialistic, consumer-oriented world that we live in, um, we have to we have to be disciplined to prioritize our lives in a way that recognizes the things that really matter. Mm.
2: You
0: know, the things that have eternal value, rather than the the temporary trappings of the world around us. Mm.
2: Um,
0: and that, this is what the Bible refers to as seeking treasures in heaven. Uh, it's only when we come to realize how meaningless so much of what all these worldly distractions, uh, you, know, you know, what they really are, that we can then get serious about seeking God, uh, seeking to know him and seeking to please him. Wow.
1: That's good. That's good. Okay, well, um, we have come to this last segment. So we're going into the rapid fire question. This is where I will, you know, throw in a bunch of questions to you (laughs) that I I basically think people might ask while listening to you talk. So um, are you ready for it? What do you think? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. So the first question, some people might be listening to us talk about salvation through faith in Jesus. And um, you can know for sure you were saved and born again into a living hope in Jesus they might say no one can you know know for sure they are right with God or go to heaven all we have to do is try our best to do good deeds like help your neighbor spread positivity be kind to one another to 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 be kind to one another help the poor and so forth then at the end of, of life God will just weigh your good deeds versus your bad deeds and might allow you into his heaven what would you say to this person
0: well, look I mean as we've already been talking sadly, uh, what you've just said is what so many professing Christians actually believe yeah,
2: uh, yeah.
0: that that their standing with God is ultimately de- dependent upon their own goodness, um, but that is the exact opposite of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, yeah. You know, you know, first, we look to the Bible. Um, and, you know, in 1 John, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. So yes, God wants yes. us to rest in assurance of faith, mm-hmm. not hoping that uh, that the balance will be in our favor. God yes. wants us to have assurance that we are, uh, you know, his, his child.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: then secondly, and most importantly, the gospel is good news. You know, the word gospel literally means good news. Uh, but it's good news because it's offered as a free gift of God rather than something we have to earn or something that we work for.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So the Bible, again, states clearly, and this is in Ephesians, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Here's the point. Jesus did all the work. What it requires of us is faith. Now, faith, you know, what is faith? You know, faith is more than just intellectual belief. It is a trust. It's an active trust that God is faithful to do what he promised by mm-hmm. forgiving our sins and adopting us as his dearly loved children.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's, it's as simple as that. But, you know, you know Satan is, is at work. He's trying to, to confuse there. he wants people to, he, do, he does not want people to understand the gospel. And that's why that's why I titled the book as I did Amazing Grace is Wonderful Indeed, but there are so many people who misunderstand the grace of God.
1: Yes. Wow, that's good. That's good. So um I know we already kind of already talked a little bit of all the details of the gospel, but just in case if someone missed it, can you please um share the gospel and then not share what is the gospel?
0: The gospel is simply that Jesus came to save sinners, just like you and me, yes. uh, by, by God's grace alone, through faith alone, and for his glory alone. Amen. The gospel is simply that you know we are each rebels against his authority over our lives,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: as a result, we've made God our enemy,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: yet God still loves us. He loved us so much that he sent his own son, Jesus, to the cross to die in our place, mm-hmm. and then As a result of that, through faith, and we'll come to our trust in God to fulfill his promises and repentance that we've already talked about, our submission to Christ as Lord over our lives, we are then adopted as children of God. A a key point here to understand is this is not a complicated story. Okay, Mm -hmm. This good news is pretty easy to understand, but it takes great faith to believe.
1: Yes. It sure, does. It sure does. So, um, so, so someone might be listening to you and not thinking, uh, I think I might not be saved, You know, should I, how should I respond to this gospel invitation? What would you say to that person?
0: If they're, oh, if they're saying, okay, I, I think I'm, I, I think I may be saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, first, I'd say, um, you know, first of all, is repent, turn loose of whatever may be holding you back. Uh, accept Christ as Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they think that uh, maybe I'm believed, how can I really know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's really the, the reason I wrote the book. Uh, yes. The primary truth that, uh, that I've tried to, uh, you know, uh, explain and, and proclaim uh, throughout my book. And it, it, it really boils down to this. It, it's not the confidence of our faith nor is it the sincerity within our hearts that give evidence of our relationship with God. Hmm. Rather, it's the evidence that God has given us of a changed heart, Hmm. a heart that desires to seek and please him. Wow,
2: that's awesome. awesome. Again,
0: if you you look in in, in the Bible and you see Jesus teaching uh, very early on in his ministry uh, to Nicodemus, uh, you know, he told Nicodemus, we have to be born again.
1: That's mm-hmm. exactly what
0: Jesus is talking about. This this is talking about being born again spiritually. It's, it's the gift of a new heart that allows us to be made alive to God, that we seek him and we seek to please him.
1: Nice good. Well, um, thank you so much, um, Mr. Mark. We have come to the end of this interview, but please, where can people get a hold of this amazing book? Where can they find your book?
0: Uh, it's available on uh, amazon.com okay. uh, just uh, uh, look up the title amazingly misunderstood grace and uh, um, yeah, be uh, be readily available for uh, for purchase and uh, i just uh, pray that god will uh will bless you uh, as it directs you to the you know to the gospel and to god's word
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much. Well, I highly recommend you purchase this book. I'm not a reader, but I, I have to say that I finished this book. in. It was just an easy read. I finished it in a week. And um, most importantly, it is a defiant. And I hope it blesses you, you know. And the link to this Amazon that uh, Mr. Mark is talking about will be linked on this show notes. Just click on this episode on the description. You will get the link that will take you directly to the Amazon so you can actually purchase it if you want. Well, Mister Mark, thank you so much. It was a delight having you on the show, and um, thank you also for being so gracious to spend your afternoon talking to me and my listeners <laughs> and sharing your wisdom, you know, from God. Thank you so much, and uh, I, and thank you for all you do for the body of Christ.
0: No, thank thank you, Connie. I, I uh, appreciate uh, the uh, the opportunity to uh, uh, to have the discussion and uh, share it with others.
1: Awesome. Awesome. All right. We have come to the end of this episode. If you made it to this point, thank you. And I hope you actually take it to heart. All that has been said here, do not push it back. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. Well, until next time, do not be ashamed of the gospel, fight the good fight of faith, and let the love of Christ control you. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.